Hey everybody, it's Friday and I hope you already are excited. I mean really excited about being in worship and life group this Sunday at First Baptist Church and that you've already invited people to come with you. If not, pray and then go ask somebody. Ask God to let you bump into somebody today, tomorrow. You can invite to church every week, invite someone to come with you. All right, Mark chapter 10, and like the other chapters, there's a lot in here we could talk about. Just a a few quick notes and then a devotional thought. Um, uh, One note that I wrote in my journal after after reading chapter 10 is that uh, in America today, divorce is too easy and too common. Divorce is too easy and too common. In chapter 10, in the first part of it, the Pharisees come to Jesus to test him, to kind of get him in a trap, cause him to say something that would alienate some people. And they ask him if it's lawful, according to Jewish law, for a man to divorce his wife. And there's this dialogue about it. And he says, well, all right, yeah, Moses allowed that, but it's because of the hardness of your heart and your sin. God's will from the very beginning was that a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and they become one. It was never God's will for divorce. And every time there's a divorce, it's because of sin. It's because of stubbornness and hardness of heart every time. And in our culture, going back decades ago, once no-fault divorce was legalized, divorce in America started increasing dramatically. Uh, One of the things that surprisingly to a lot of people is negatively affecting marriage today is couples living together before marriage. And it almost sounds counterintuitive because people will often say, well, if we move in together, it'll be like a, a trial run and we can really find out are we meant to be together and will this work? And here's what the research, the data tells us. Couples who move in together before marriage have a higher divorce rate than couples who don't live together before marriage. That surprises people, but it's true. Study after study, couples who live together before marriage are at greater risk of getting a divorce than couples who don't live together before marriage. Why is that? We, we would think the way our culture thinks, it should be just the opposite, but it's not. Why? Because if you say, well, we're going to live together to, you know, kind of stair-step our way into it, to test the waters and see if we're really right for each other, what happens is you are going into the marriage, even if you're not conscious of it, with less of a commitment to making it work and working through difficulties than couples who don't live together. And so if you go into living together and you've got that attitude, even if you're not conscious of it, and then you get married, you bring with you a a lesser commitment, which means you're more likely to divorce. You can argue till you're blue in the face. Doesn't change the facts. So God's way, guess what? (laughs) Has been right all along. Second note. It was not easy for Jesus to find quiet time to be with the Father. Now, you remember on Monday in Mark chapter 6, I talked about the value, the, the importance Jesus placed on retreating, 
going up to the mountain to pray, telling his disciples after their preaching mission to, to, to get away from the crowds and go to a secluded place, and Jesus did all that. And I, and I can just hear in my own mind voices from the past saying, oh, that's a great idea. I wish it could. But preacher, I work 60 hours a week, and my kids have soccer and basketball and dance, and we got this, and, and I, uh, I've heard it all. Okay? You've got nothing you can tell me about that I haven't heard. Okay? I've heard every explanation for why it can't be done on the face of the planet. Well, do you think it was easy for Jesus? Because some of you think, you know, well, Jesus, it was just easy. He's God. It's just like, like it's magical, just easy for Jesus to do. Well, look in this chapter, chapter 10, verse 1. And getting up, he, Jesus, went out from there to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. Crowds, crowds gathered around him again, and according to his custom, he started teaching them. Crowds. Look at verse 32. Verse 32. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking on ahead of them. Jesus is walking in front of his 12 disciples. And they were amazed. Who was amazed? The disciples. And those who followed were fearful. Well, that's not the disciples who follow. Jesus is in front. The 12 disciples are behind him and they're amazed at Jesus. And there's another crowd, that crowd following, because everywhere Jesus went, a crowd followed him. And that cr you got Jesus, you got 12, and you got the crowd as he's walking to Jerusalem. And, 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 and clues like this are, are throughout the Gospels of how crowds were always around Jesus. Look at verse um, 46, verse 40, 46. They came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a large crowd, there was a large crowd. So Jesus was walking through and past Jericho on his way to Jerusalem and his 12 disciples are with him. But that large crowd, everywhere he went, there was a big crowd crowding him. How many, how many times do we read in the Gospels of people trying to touch the hem of his garment so, so he could be healed? They pushed against him and he had to get in the boat and go out into the water to be able to teach them. And 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 and. Peter's house earlier in the gospel in Capernaum, there's such a crowd. The four men carrying the, the paralytic on a stretcher couldn't get into the house. The crowd was so big and they had to climb on top of the house and, 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 and dig a hole in the roof and let the men down. Why, why do some of you have this image that Jesus was this, you know, this spiritual teacher, rabbi do walking around with his disciples and they were always alone and it was easy for them to have private conversations. Most of the time when Jesus was teaching the 12, he was doing it in front of other people and then when they went into the house and he did it, he was in somebody else's house. You tell me, you tell me in the gospels when Jesus was alone all the time and had all this downtime, Jesus, Jesus' life was as busy and crowded as, as yours. So being busy and crowded, it's not an excuse for never being alone with God. 
because you're not busier than Jesus. And you don't have no, you, you don't have more pressure on you than Jesus had on him. And you don't, you don't have more people demanding stuff from you than Jesus had people demanding stuff from him. And yet Jesus was very intentional at being alone with the Father. Went up on the mountain to pray. Got up very early in the morning before the sun came up to go out to a lonely place while everybody else was sleeping in their beds to be alone with the Father. Got in a boat, pushed out into the Sea of Galilee to get away from the crowds and have some time. Easy? Absolutely not. Necessary? You bet. How do you do it? Be intentional. Get creative. Find a way. You will never do that until you stop saying, I can't. As long as you say, I can't, you never will. Does it require sacrifice? Yes. Will it require intentional extra effort? Yes. Will you have to say no to something? Maybe. But whatever you say no to is not as important as what you're saying yes to when you say yes to being alone with the Father because you need it. Well, I've already been doing this for almost 10 minutes, so let me just real quickly give you my devotional thought. I guess that was a devotional thought, wasn't it? Well, that's enough. Spend time with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. God bless you. I'll see you Sunday in worship, and then um, Mondays we look at uh, chapter 11. Have a great weekend, everybody.